Welcome to AP Psych! Hey there, everybody. So today's topic is the psychologist, early psychologists. Um, if you're following along with College Board, it's going to be Unit 1, okay? Yes, so we today our essential question is who are the major early people of psychology and what were their contributions? So that's what we're going to start with. Um, but before we talk about contributions to psychology, we need to know what psychology is. So psych is Greek for soul or mind, and ology is also a Greek word uh, logos which means the study of so psychology is the study of our soul or mind exactly and in psychology we study behavior and the mental process behavior is really just what an organism does and the action that the organism can observe or record so behavior is observable and we record behavior in order to get data to be able to take next steps and mental process is that more internal, subjective experience that we can't actually see happen or observe happen, but we infer from our behavior what's happening in those mental processes. So basically, why do we behave or think the way that we do is what we're studying in psychology. There are three early pre-scientific psychology concepts. Um, so we're going to start with the first one, which is acquisition of knowledge. So basically what acquisition of knowledge is asking is how do we gain or acquire knowledge? So acquisition, acquire. How do we acquire knowledge? And there's really two forms of thinking, and this is something that we're going to see throughout psychology. And this is still an argument in psychology today nature versus nurture okay and nature is innate it's inborn it's within you and then nurture is everything that comes from the outside world essentially so is knowledge innate or is it developed through sensation so the rationalism that people believe that knowledge is derived derived from reason and logic. So rationalism believes that it's innate. Rationalism starts with an R, so does reason, innate. Empiricism, on the other hand, is they believe that, empiricists believe that knowledge is derived from experience. E-empiricism, E-empiricism, and E-experience, or experimentation. So rationalism is going to say it's nature. Empiricism says nurture. So with sensation and perception, this is a second school of thought. Um, and sensation and perception, um, are sensations and perception a true representation of the world? And if they're not, can we trust the knowledge based on observation? Or can we rely on their pure reasoning? So rationalists believe that knowledge is innate, as Ms. Snyder just said, um, whereas there's like other schools of thought that believe 
opposite of that. All right, and the third theory of thought is mind and body connection. So do humans just consist of one substance? Um, are the mind and soul, mind slash soul and body one in the same? Or are they separate and distinct entities? So remember, there used to be a very strong idea of the mind and soul, especially you see in some of the religions of the time of like, you know, our, our historical uh, religions that the mind and soul were separate from the physical body that you were in. So that was one of the schools of thought that they were separate. They could exist separately, um, but also looking at how they are connected. So rationalism and, or I'm sorry, relation of the mind and body, the mind and body, or the idea that the mind and body are connected um, is believed by a few different groups of people. Um, so throughout history, the Hebrews believed that the mind and body are connected. Aristotle, who is a famous philosopher, and then St. Augustine as well. Um, so the Hebrews being the Israelites, like the ancient um, Israelite nation um, so and then Aristotle ancient Greece correct and then St. Augustine as well on the other side of that argument that the mind and body are distinct and separate are Socrates Plato and then Descartes so Descartes agreed that the ideas or mind are distinct from the body that you're able to survive after the body's death but he also thought a little further and wondered how does our mind and body communicate so he's one of the first to dissect animals and figure out the fluid in the brain we're just gonna move on from that brain fluid sounds gross to me right now so how our ideas formed this was also part of that nature nurture debate and you know mind body connection um, as well. So, some ideas are inborn. It was believed by our Socrates, Plato, and Descartes that believed our mind and body are connect are not connected. Exactly opposite. They're distinct. And Aristotle and Locke on the other side just thought that the mind was a blank slate when you were born, and that everything that you learned was from experience. So something that a lot of students I don't think realize is that psychology is a science. Um, so at least at our school, we teach it within social science and global studies. And the reason why it's a science is because you have to gather data in order to learn more about it, which is exactly what science does. So psychologists will use the scientific method and different experiments and stuff like that, which will be talked about later on. Um, but understanding that psychology is a science is really important. And the man who created psychology as a science is... Wilhelm 
<laughs> I can't even say this. So, okay, he's German. <laughs> so he's German, and the German in me is saying Wilhelm Wundt, which I don't even think that's right. Um, but the... Yeah, you have uh, German in you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. I have a lot of German oh. in me. Um, but he... I The American side of me is saying that is just not how you would say that. Um, I call him Willie. Willie sounds great. He looks very mischievous under the beard and glasses. So he looks a little bit like Mr. Adams. <gasps> he does. Mm. Okay. Well, maybe. <laughs> a little yeah. mischievous over there. Yes, very mischievous. What does that say about Mr. Adams? Ms. Oh, Snyder? that's exactly <laughs> what I meant. Mr. Adams definitely has mischief going on under that beard. Yes, he does. <laughs> Um, so he is considered the father of psychology. Not Mr. Adams, um, but, Will <laughs> <laughs> but Wilhelm. He is considered the father of psychology. And, oh, did you want to? You were so excited. Yeah, I was, I, I was I so sorry. very excited. <laughs> he combines science and philosophy. Oh, that's the most exciting thing ever. That's so cool. <laughs> so his goal is to study consciousness or how the mind's elements were organized and related. And he used introspection which is looking inward about how you feel and why you're thinking. So really, when we ask you to reflect and to use introspection, you can thank good old Willie for that. It's very meta of it's him. It's very meta of him. <laughs> so yeah, introspection is the personal observation of our own thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Um, definitely, I think, metacognition, metacognitive is a more common way that we refer to it now but kind of like self-observation. Now, with this comes um, just a, a few different... I don't know how to describe these. Um, the way that I like to think about it is if you look at a single puzzle piece, okay? And on a single puzzle piece, there might be um, different colors. It might be a funky shape. Maybe there's a letter or a face on it. And that is a very structuralist approach. You look at uh, what you have in front of you and you describe what the appearance of this puzzle piece is. In terms of behavior, a structuralist will take a single behavior or thought or feeling and they will analyze that um, and, and kind of see not necessarily where it fits in, but they're just looking at that individual part of the puzzle. But if you think about that, so as Mrs. Navidad put, you're looking at the individual part. So if we do want to put the entire puzzle piece together, is this technique a good way to do it? If you just look at each individual piece and describe how it looks, maybe if you're working by yourself, that could work. But what if there are two or three different people working on the puzzle? You have different descriptions of what the puzzle piece looks like because you probably most likely did not describe it the same exact way as another student. And that's what became an, is an issue with introspection. If we're trying to find common thought processes among different people, processes or processes? Either. Okay. You're asking me? I, processes Willy? sounded wrong. <laughs> anyway. Um... If we're trying to think of common thought processes among different people, if everyone describes their feeling of sadness, their feeling of anger differently, then 
we're not getting that scientific result that we want or evidence that we want. So structuralism really stemmed from Edward Titchener. Titchener. We're just going to ignore the E's. Yeah, what's up with that? <laughs> no, I don't know. That's how it came out. These are Ed, Eddie. Um, so <laughs> I like to nickname everybody. It makes it more interesting. Don't laugh That's at exactly me. That's exactly why you're nicknaming them for the interest, not for the... Absolutely. <laughs> no, I nicknamed the presidents, too. Yeah? Give me an example. Okay, Georgie Porgy. No way. Absolutely. 100%. My AD dad baby. was bullied with that nickname <gasps> growing up. So he literally went through and would not let my sister's name rhyme with anything because he was terrified that she would be bullied. And my mom's like, if they're going to call her fat and stupid, they're just going to call her fat and stupid. I would never call your dad that. <laughs> yeah. Well, AB baby. AB baby. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't have an emotional trauma connected to that one. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> Dwight D. Eisenhower, my uncle looks just like him, so I call him Jimmy. <laughs> Is this when you're talking to yourself or like two no, years like US students? Two students. <laughs> yeah, I will. I, I told them that. Yeah. I need an FGR nickname because. Franklin Delano Roosevelt is too hard to say quickly. Can you say his last name again? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, Frankie? No. Not, he doesn't look like a Frankie. Should we just stick with FDR? Like yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway. It's fine. Anyway. <laughs> Maybe you just want to give him a nickname because you can't say Roosevelt. Call me out. I'm gonna call you out. Okay, so structure. You asked me. Um, structuralism is. I, I can't even read this. Um, it is tied to Wilhelm's um, ideas, and Edward kind of took them and made them structuralism, right? So he kind of took the these ideas and made them into his own. Tried to uh, make psych into a chemical reaction. He he basically tried to do it in like a very logical, very scientific, almost mathematical approach where you have process A or emotion A or whatever. Let's go with emotion. You have emotion A plus emotion B, this reaction, and then boom, that equals process C or like that third thing so what two things come together to make this last thing right Um, so he looked at the shape or the structure of the thought process so that's why it's called structuralism because he looked at the structure of a thought process and he did use introspection to do this he would look inward about how you feel and why you're thinking. So again, that A plus B, like why do you feel this way? What are what is causing you to have this outcome? And then functionalism. 
functionalism was created by William James. He was the first American psychologist. So not the father of psychology, but the American father. The first American psychologist. He criticized Wunden's ideas because he thought that they were too narrow and too boring. Instead, William James was influenced by Darwin because he was interested in understanding how consciousness or our thought and thoughts and feelings function to help us adapt. So remember, Darwin is all about that survival of the fittest, adapting to survive, um, and evolution is kind of Darwin's thing. So that's what William James is looking at of how our thoughts and feelings have adapted. He also used introspection, but with that used questionnaires and mental tests, so it wasn't just a self-reporting action. Um, he, his main idea with functionalism is that the emotions must serve a purpose. And in terms of Darwin, it must serve a survival purpose. It's not just to have an emotion. We will talk about Darwin later. It is He is somebody that you are going to want to know um, for the EP exam in yes. general. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure we a lot of us know who he is from biology class, but keep his name in mind for sure. Um, but with this, um, going back to that puzzle piece idea, um, when you look at the puzzle piece, instead of looking at one or with looking at one piece similar to um, William James and his focus on understanding why a behavior occurred it's not just focusing on the individual experience of the behavior so basically he's asking what is the purpose of this piece is it a corner piece is it an edge does it have a face on it like what what is the purpose of this basically now there are four big schools of psychology that we're going to talk about today um and we're going to talk about how uh well this first one we're going to talk about again how it relates to that puzzle just to kind of give us an idea of like what it looks like um in terms of something like tangible mm -hmm. um so would you like to start with gestalt psychology gestalt or gestalt gestalt I don't know. I switch between the two. Love that. Okay. It's spelled guest alt. Guest alt. Just alt. alt. Gif or jif? Whichever one comes out of my mouth first. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Guest alt psychology was founded by Max Werthemeyer. Yep. Nope. Werthemeyer. 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 Another German name that the W is actually going to be a V, but... A lot of German philosophers kind of transitioned into psychology, and they added that science aspect of it. Mm -hmm. So that's why we get a lot of German, German. names. Love that for us. Love it so much. Because good old Max here revolted against Wundt, <laughs> and he said, you know what? We cannot look at individual cases. We need to observe the whole experience instead of breaking it down into elements to completely understand consciousness. You can't take one thought process and understand an entire person. You need to understand their whole being. 
So his big idea was the whole is greater or different than the sum of its parts, and you need to look at the interaction of the mind and body instead of trying to separate them. So in terms of the puzzle piece idea, he's looking at the entire puzzle, like all put together, all of the pictures, and instead of looking at those individual pieces. And he said that it allows us to see possible storylines and interpretations instead of only looking at one small thing. It's looking at that bigger scope of things. Exactly. Oh, baby. Psycho analysis. <laughs> you just end at psycho. <laughs> I mean, honestly. So, again, um, psychoanalysis was started by Sigmund Freud. If you do not know Sigmund Freud's name, um, don't Google him. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Um, he is somebody that you're going to want to know for the AP exam or for psychology in general. Um, and we will be talking about him a lot more later on throughout the school year. Um, and while he has a very interesting view of psychology and people in general and in addition to that a lot of his views have been like debunked basically yes um he is still a really important aspect of psychology he kind of like sparked a lot of things that we still talk about in psychology today so he's not necessarily like the least important person because he really helps at the foundation for early psychology so he is very important and very in uh eccentric i think is the word i'm gonna go with yes um yes he is uh but yeah brought psychology into like mainstream conversation and i think continues to do that today it's not uncommon for some people to have only heard mm -hmm. of Sigmund Freud when coming in. It's probably the one and only, if you've ever heard of somebody say, oh, that was a Freudian slip. That's exactly yep. who they're talking about. Yep. So he, that has to do with unconscious forces, mm -hmm. forces and thoughts. And he focused on like the dream analysis and free association. So yeah, his, his focus in psychoanalysis was on that abnormal behavior and like Mrs. Navidad said, a lot of his theories have been debunked, but they were really great starting off points for the field of psychology. And then behaviorism is going to be our third big movement. And this was started by J.B. Watson and then B.F. Skinner. And don't ask us what those letters are. I don't, I, I probably know them. John. I was gonna say John too, <laughs> but is that just Sherlock? Hmm, it might be. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. Watson and Skinner are, if you've heard of Freud, because he's usually like the number one person you think of, um, the second and third are probably Watson and Skinner. Um, and their idea of behaviorism was basically 
I mean, it, they disagreed with everybody. They yeah. were like, mm, you guys are wrong. And we say that psychology should only study what could be objectively observed and measured. Okay, so that's something that Watson specifically said. But having that, like, observing and gathering that data and it being objective, it all being fact, not subjective, not like, oh, I'm assuming that this person is doing this because of X, Y, and Z. It is just observing the actual behavior and getting the data from it. And then Skinner said that um, the external factors are the only things that shape behaviors. Therefore, they're under that nurture camp um, because they believed that external factors kind of, they, they do shape everything that happens with the person. So what is the external factor of it? Then we have finally humanistic. So this kind of started in the 1960s, and they believed that both the two prior systems of behaviorism and psychoanalysis were limiting. What they did, and this is mostly Carl Rogers and Abraham Maslow, if you've heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, this is where that's who it comes from. Um, and they focus on the potential for human growth. So think of humanistic psychology as like, the optimistic one the mm -hmm. positive we can all be amazing just how do we get there and what do we do is really the focus of that humanistic carl rogers abraham maslow psychology yeah yeah i like that the optimist psychology <laughs> so again just to summarize everything that we talked about today um we have a lot of different people to talk about, um, just to name a few, B.F. Skinner, um, Sigmund Freud, and then even early philosophers who turned, uh, not turned psychologists, but who had a very influential um, ideas behind psychology, like Aristotle, exactly. um, William, W. <laughs> William W. William W. Eddie. The father of psychology, um, and then our, the, one of the first Americans, William James. Um, so those are just some really important people to remember. Um, and then those four big ideas of psychology: um, Gestalt theory, psychoanalysis, humanistic, and behaviorism. Awesome. Yes. So just to summarize. Also, one last thing to summarize, nature versus nurture. Yeah. Nature what's is... The, what's the answer, Mrs. Navidad? The chicken or the egg. I don't know. I don't know. Actually, psychologists <laughs> say both. <laughs> oh, darn. <laughs> say nature works on what... Nope. Nurture, nurture works, works on, on what, what nature endows. endows. So it's a combination. You are not just all nature or nurture. It's a combination of what you were born with and your experiences. Exactly. So we will talk more about... Uh, what are we going to talk about next We're going to talk more about the perspectives of psychology. We're going to look into some deeper into those four categories and maybe expand on a couple and then if you are taking this course because you're saying hey i want to major in psychology we'll go over some jobs that might be in your future absolutely absolutely so with that we will see you on the flip side bye bye
Happy studying! studying.